Hi everyone, a quick reminder that Angel Heart Radio program should not be used to replace your legal, medical or professional advice nor your own sound judgment. There's lots for you on angellight777.com. There's guidance, there are freebies, there are wonderful ways to help you to connect with the angels and with their love for you. Angel Heart Radio programs should not be used to replace your legal or medical advice. We're thrilled to have United Intentions Radio join us here on Angel Heart Radio to inspire you with your own intentions and how you live in the world. Powered by love, Angel Heart Radio is sponsored by angellight777.com. Welcome to the Good Intention Show, coming to you live on the UI Radio Network. The Good Intention Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org, a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions one intention at a time. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Yes, this is the Good Intention Show, where you will meet people who live life intentionally and hear about things they're not telling you in the mainstream media. And now, here's the truth seeker, the snake charmer, a legend in his own mind, broadcasting live all over the universe, your host, Mr. Tim Ray. So I'm often asked, you know, what is the perfect Harvard Medical School student? What are you really looking for? And the answer is, it's not really any one thing. We're looking for future leaders of American and international medicine. And how one defines leadership is really up to them. You might have one person who's done just tons and tons of research, might have publications, sometimes we have people who have PhDs, and you might have somebody else who's done no research at all, they've done all the prerequisites, they're very academically ready, but they focused more on perhaps community Work. We're looking for a very diverse class, a diverse class not just in terms of geography and ethnicity and gender, but we're also looking for a diverse class in terms of passion. So sometimes people just have these sort of amazing life stories, and that might be the sort of extra piece that they're bringing besides the fact that they are academically prepared to be here. Uh, for other folks, they might have a much more standard sort of background. If everyone in the orchestra played the cello, we wouldn't have an orchestra, and we very much want to have an orchestra because that creates a much better learning experience. And if you think about it, that's kind of appropriate because the world of medicine has lots of different careers. There's not just one thing that doctors do. There's lots of different things that they do. So we need to bring in uh, a pool of talent that can go out into this profession that um, you know, fills those different niches. Wow. You know, that sounds fascinating, doesn't it, Jesse? It really does. Well, because this is Harvard's medical school, if you want to go into medical school, and it sounds like it's very integrative. It does sound. They, they, well, at least they frame it. Though. Well, at least they sp- said that, right? Yeah. But, you know, in, after a little bit of research, they're actually, they, do, they do have a fellowship for uh, alternative integrative medicine. Cool. Um, they deal with uh, epidemiology and a few things like that. Now, I'm not, and trust me, epigenetics and all that jazz, jazz is definitely integrative. I mean, at least it's, it's the the building blocks of it, right? Oh yeah. That you that you can create new DNA to deal with whatever environmental factors. But however, 
the thing is, is it really integrated or is it a co-op integrated? I don't know. I mean, maybe we could find out because today we have a great show for you guys. Again, it's October month and we're dealing with integrative doctors and the future of our medical model of moving from an allopathic dominated medical model to a integrative medical model where uh, we're dealing with chronic diseases with preventative and preventative care more so than dealing with acute issues, dealing with acute solutions for chronic diseases. So, uh, you know, kind of just in a really a model that's messed up on the medicine level. But here, you know, that sounds hopeful that Harvard is integrating, uh, you know, if that's the case. I'll be curious to find out. Maybe our, our doctor today, Michael Rankin, uh, knows a little bit about uh, about what's going on at Harvard and if it's a truly an integrative process or if it's just kind of lip service. Yeah, he know? is the expert, so we need, we need yeah. to get well, the... well, he may not know a lot about Harvard because he, he didn't come from Harvard. <laughs> no, but... but he's an expert at integrative medicine. Yeah. Oh, 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 he is. Yeah, so he, he, he could tell us, like, mm, <laughs> uh, something smells fishy there. Or he could be like, no, this is good. This yeah. is what we need. There you go. So uh, today we have a great show. Like I said, we have Dr. Michael Rankin here. Uh, he's an internist in Dallas, and we're going to be sharing so much information on uh, what actually what does an internist do as well, and all the also the allopathic process and how he kind of grew out of that, and what his story was, uh, on to what he's doing now, saving lives. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, one thing I want to mention before we do, uh, the Imagine If program at United Intentions Foundation, unitedintentions.org. Go online and get involved with our UIF program where you – we our Imagine If program, I should say, where you actually help children learn that their thoughts create their experiences. The thoughts create their reality and from first grade to 12th grade. And it's going in line and it's a SEL, five-module program, social-emotional learning and showing – it's very easy to incorporate into their – into your school day, whether it's public, private, or homeschooling. And it's just phenomenal how you're empowering children to perceive their situations from a different perspective, a healthier, more positive perspective, looking at things as challenges as opportunities more so than as the the, the, the disaster that most of us go down and stay down in. And it's shifting your basically your thought patterns into a, a more positive and higher vibration uh, thought thinking. And uh, if that's an, or is that the right way of saying it, thought thinking. And um, provoking. provoking, that's even better. And so it's a great program. So get online, go to unitedintentions.org, check out our education program. You'll love it. Uh, outside of that, uh, just gala. We're going to talk about the gala right now. Dr. Rankin's going to the gala, and this is basically the the superstars. Superstars of integrative medicine are showing up, being honored for all the work they've been doing, being paradigm shifters, changing the world, and moving our medical model into integrative model, which is dealing with holistically with the whole person and not just a certain part of the person or only a limited aspect of a body part or whatever it may be, because our solutions to our chronic illnesses really is a holistic approach. Yes, you need allopathic medicine in acute situations to assist in those moments, but it does not need to be 95% of our medical model. It needs to be about 5%, which like they have over in Japan. And so uh, people like Dr. Michael Rankin are moving this ship in that direction. And it's, let me tell you something, it's not easy to do. Although uh, Harvard kind of gave me a little bit of hope potentially. Let's, but we, let's find out. Let's find out. Well, let me tell you about our, our, our guest today. He's uh, calling in from, uh, I assume, from Texas, Dallas, Texas. Uh, Dr. Michael Rankin is an internist in Dallas, Texas, and is affiliated with multiple hospitals in the area, including Parkland Health and Hospital System and UT, uh, UT Southwestern Medical Center. He's received his medical degree from Well Wheel, sorry, Cornell Medical College and Cornell University, has been in practice 
for three to five years. Three almost. Wow, that's a long time. He has only he he has one of forty two doctors at a Parkland Health and Hospital System, and one of three hundred forty nine at UT Southwestern Medical Center, who specializes in internal internal medicine. He currently is a director of the Kelly Metabolic Center, and you can reach him at testingcancer.com, testingcancer.com. Dr. Rankin, welcome aboard. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. The um, um, We have a clinic here in Dallas that I run as a naturopathic doctor, and we've worked with primarily focusing on cancer for many, many years because the we found that cancer is a very logical construct in the body. It's not a mystery to us, and it's not a mystery to many of the doctors like us that that, that went from went into the naturopathic meth, uh, modality because we found that we need to look at the whole body, the body, mind, and spirit. When you look at the whole body, mind, and spirit as a as an entire construct of the human person, any issue that happens, whether it's Epstein-Barr or cancer or whatever it may be, it is a conflict. It's an imbalance. We believe that the body was created in a very wonderful way at its very beginning, and that design has a very specific uh, outcome from its original you know, uh, uh, beginning. And as it grows, it its first exposures in the womb. We have a, I, I have a lady up in the, in, uh, in the United States that lost her hearing in the second trimester. Mm. And they said it was because of a drug, but it wasn't from a drug. Her mother was involved in a process that was, that was harming and actually killing babies. And her, they talked about it all the time, all the time, all the time. This lady lost her hearing in the second trimester. Huh. And so they said she's deaf, but but it's not that. It's that she stopped hearing. So we know that we've had other people who have lost their hearing because of a PTSD experience. Right. Who have been Vietnam vets, as an example. So right, right. Uh, we have to look at each person on an individual basis and see what is it that's contributing to their issue. The most important thing that all of us need to remember, I mean, and more so than probably anything else, is that when we speak to someone that has a health challenge, we can speak death or we can speak life. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So. Many people that call us, they call us because we have a very unique cancer test that's unique in the world called the CAP test that will literally tell us the, the production of cancer cells in the body. It will tell us if there is a potential high or low for spreading of cancer. And it looks at the, uh, whether or not the body is even capable of managing that issue. So if the body can't manage that, because the cancer cells are out of balance. My 15-year-old has cancer in his body. My 43-year-old has cancer in his body. Everybody has cancer from the moment of their conception. Everybody has viruses and bacteria and whatever else, but they need to be maintained in a proper balance. When they get out of the balance is when the issues begin. But we've had a, we had a lady about a month and a half ago who had Epstein-Barr. They, they didn't tell me at the time she was a patient that was remote, so we do a lot of remote work explain, all explain, over the world. Explain what that is, Epstein-Barr. Epstein-Barr is a virus, and it's a virus that can cause a, a massive attack on the body's immune system. People call autoimmune, but I don't really like that term necessarily, but it's, it's one that's used very commonly. But when the body begins to react against itself, 
there's a reason why it's reacting against itself, and it's because something has been done to the body that causes it to react inappropriately to the issue that's manifesting. So with Epstein-Barr, I mean, this lady couldn't open her eyes. Mm. She could hardly swallow any fluid. She was literally becoming emaciated, and uh, and if that was basically going to be her problem is that she was going to starve to death. So they called me and asked me if I could do uh, uh, an emotional uh work with her and they call me like the emotional whisperer that's one of the one of my <laughs> colleagues gave me that uh, yeah. which i i just yeah. sort of giggle at that and this is that, but th- this is the evox uh process you're talking about the emotional assessment testing you do as well right and and yeah uh, okay and emotional healing and, i should say yes yeah, so what we do is we we use a device called evox which will capture the voice it will tell me whatever the emotion is that's coming from that person's voice and from that person's voice, I know if it's anger, if I know if it's um, low, you know, if they have a, a trapped emotion, I know if they feel unworthy, I know if they don't believe a word they say, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So this lady started her, her session with me, but we also tie everything together. We call it trapped emotional release or TER. So we're actually taking the uh, recall healing aspect of a person's entire life. So if a person, like this case, had Epstein-Barr, when did it start? Mm. It started in the womb. When she was in the womb, her father cheated on her mother. Mm. Her father also beat her mother. Mm. So there's a lot of conflict that was downloading to the child. The mother was, uh, in her early days of her, when, when this baby was in the womb, this woman who's now 40 was in the womb, her mother was a Christian. Her father was nothing in particular. And... Um, but there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on in well let, so, doc, doc let me stop you for a second so what you're trying to tell me is that i mean this is fascinating stuff and and i know you, you, this is a great story and i want you to continue on but i have to break it on down so people understand the science of what you're just saying because uh, outside of you just jumping in and saying well your emotions affect physically uh, they manifest into a physical physiological um, problem ailment or whatever it may be so mm-hmm. so this process of uh, what is the biochemical reaction going on when there's an emotional trauma or emotional stress or even physical stress going on what's the emotional uh, what's what how, what's going on the biochemicals that actually shuts down parts of your body where you can't hear anymore. I mean, there has to be a chain of reaction. You can't just like just you hear you hear something, then you just shut down. It has to be a biological factor here, right? Well, yeah, we just came. It's a very good question. We just came back from a uh, a neurofeedback uh, seminar this past weekend in Atlanta, and at that meeting, we heard people, all sorts of different doctors, um, naturopaths like myself, chiropractors. Um, all sorts of doctors were there talking about using um, neurofeedback, active neurofeedback, where the person is participating and they're literally training their brain to change in response to a stimulus. So in the, in, uh, with the lady that lost her hearing in the womb, it was literally a survival mechanism. So when a person has some kind of experience, they've got to shut something down. They will shove it back the the body will use the brain to shove it into the body so that it will not cause them to die. So it's a survival mechanism. And so when we do a brain map on these people, that part of their brain that is for their hearing will show, will show red. So, and if you look at the, 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 the reading of that person's brain through EEG, you'll see that it's not, it's not manifesting in a clear pattern. It may be very chaotic or it may be very suppressed. If you look at Alzheimer's, same thing. Alzheimer's is a, is a breakdown of the body's communication system. 
Okay, so every one of these things will manifest in the brain that will show up physiologically in the body. Okay. okay. Yeah, and so so that biological um, that transfer from an emotion because because thoughts and emotions and feelings are actually their physical phenomenon. They could actually be measured in waves or whatever the case may be. And a, a positive emotion versus a negative emotion can actually affect physiologically your individual cells, which stimulates the mitochondria all the, and, and get in the good or bad way and affects the actual cell and production of, of new DNA or no, or shutting down or whatever it may be. I think a lot of people get that aspect of it because, you know, when you have ulcers from stress, your body changes, right? So if, exactly. if, if that is the case, Doc, and your emotions can be captured to the point where – in the womb, before you know this infant, uh, what do you call a baby inside the womb? A fetus. Fetus. <laughs> fetus. <laughs> uh-huh. Before the fetus is even fully developed, uh, once they're connecting their neurological um, cells together enough to point where they could actually shut down for survival mechanisms based on an emotional stimuli affecting them physiologically, they could shut down their body part. So it can survive. It's in that it's in that uh, uh, that sympathetic ner- uh, uh, nervous system uh, state of mind where the cort- cortisone and all this fight or flight mentality is coming on. Even on an infant side, infant level or or a fetal fetus level, that's to me is is amazing. And it's amazing that that's not emphasized enough because I guess it's invisible. You can't see it, so it doesn't matter, right? But um, at least that's the mentality. So when, well, part of it, though, to be fair, yeah. they're, they're not taught to evaluate these things. The, tr- okay? the, the allopathic uh, medical model you're talking about. Yeah, it's not taught to evaluate those things. I mean, if, if you look at the way the training is done, the training is done in a very didactic process to have a very didactic outcome. It doesn't really allow for the sideways evaluations of things. So if you, if you have a patient with uh, cancer and they have a tumor, is that tumor cancer or is that can- tumor not cancer? So they use a PET scan. They say the PET scan will show cancer. It's not true. Hmm. You don't know if it's cancer. You don't know if it's fungus. The NIH did a study on lung cancer and said that a very large percentage of, of cancer that is said to be a, lot, a very large number of tumors in the lung that are said to be cancer are not cancer. It's a fungal growth. And we see this all the time. So our, so our, our, our medical model, you're saying, Doc, is misdiagnosing people. The allopathic medical model of the PET scans or even the x-rays are misdiagnosing uh, potential cancerous tumor cells. Well, absolutely, because and it's, it's because the, the tool to be used for the evaluation is not used for its intended purpose. So they put in glucose into the body, which is supposed to show up on a PET scan. Right. But what else attracts glucose? fungus. Right. Fungus will attract glucose as fast and even more effectively than cancer cells. So what are you looking at? You have no idea. <laughs> so if a tumor the size of a baseball or the tumor the size of a football, they both have about 5% cancer in them. So if you take a tumor which has been encapsulated by the body to protect it, mm-hmm. Okay, not not for a bad reason, but for a good reason to protect it, like a cyst does. Right. Same thing. You don't puncture it. Okay, you you can't you don't puncture it. You have to let it stay inside that 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 system. Casing. Yeah. The, right. Yeah. Because the the body we know from recall healing, Doctor Hammer's work with recall healing said that the body will respond to a stimulus and will resolve the conflict by forming a tumor. And if you go back and look at the brain with a CAT scan. There's a point in the brain on a CAT scan that will manifest 
the um, will manifest that breast tumor right. in a specific part of the brain. So if we know that's the fact, so we know that that will show up in the brain in that perspective, then doing neural feedback the other way will also help resolve it. So if we have somebody with pain, the first thing we're going to do is do a brain map to find out why their body can't handle the pain. Right. Pain is a blockage of energy. We know that from Chinese medicine. So yeah. if we if the pain is manifesting in a blocked area, and that's what pain is. Pain is a blockage. So like the lady with Epstein-Barr that couldn't stand up, couldn't couldn't swallow, couldn't open her eyes. She was she was willing to give up. She was willing to die. She was willing to call in hospice. And one of the things they do with hospice for pain for pain support is morphine. And yeah. we know with morphine, it will go to the lungs and it'll go to the, the liver. And it has a high mortality rate. Right. Okay. So before they did that, they got the the husband got desperate. They called a um, a colleague of mine. They got hold of me. They said, "Would you please do a, a session with this lady like tomorrow?" And that was a couple months ago. And we did. By the time we got done with this fifty minute session with this lady, she had no symptoms <laughs> at all. And all we did was do our TER uh, system, and we brought her back to the point of the perceiving herself in the womb. Yeah. Perceiving is the issue with the father and the mother. Right. And what's weird about it, and it's hard to describe this because it's so odd to hear these words. Right. She was functioning as if she was her mother. She uh-huh. wasn't even living her own life. So many times people will live the life as an adult trying to repair the issues of their of their of their family of origin. Well, because she's incorporated her, the identity of her mother because of such a traumatic experience. Um, exactly. So, so, Doc, this is fascinating stuff, actually. And before you get into the cure aspect of it, I want to go back because I think you hit on something that's critical, especially if our allopathic model system is misdiagnosing or not accurately diagnosing what we can or even viewing cancer in a healthy perspective. So, um, you do in, at your testing at your at your hospital that y- you work. You do cancer profiles and also full body scans. And basically, and I want if you could just share a little bit about how this testing works because I think people need to understand how we're it's, uh, everything is um, uh, you know electrical and magnetically electrical. Or we're, like you said, this Chinese science. There's a system through us. There are these acupoints. There's this. Uh, we're body is we're all made up of this energy. And and once you identify, you can't solve a problem correctly unless you identify the problem correctly, right? And testing is your your way of identifying problems correctly. So share a little bit about why cancer pro the cancer profiles that you do and the full body scans that you do are better at accurately de- de- describing and and defining a potential cancer cell in your in someone's body versus the allopathic model. Yeah, exactly. So we no longer work in the hospital whatsoever. We work completely outside the hospital construct because it doesn't function for us and why why, 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 why is that i mean why can't why can't they because it doesn't it doesn't serve our purpose our purpose is to evaluate cancerous activity and we need to look at where it is in the body because just because a tumor might be in the breast or the colon or wherever it is doesn't mean that's the worst cancer you're dealing with it doesn't tell you that at all and so if you let me give you an example i'll give you two examples yeah i have a woman overseas and i have a woman domestically They both have HER2 positive breast cancer. The first woman um, has a lumpectomy. The second woman has a biopsy. Okay? So the woman domestically gets a lumpectomy, removes a small lump that was smaller than the tip of her finger, removes the entire thing, refused to do a biopsy because she knew that wasn't a good thing to do because it can cause the cancer to spread. And she knew it, and she didn't do it. The one overseas gets a biopsy. 
The one here in the United States that has HER2 positive cancer diagnosis gets a lumpectomy, does our test, and shows almost no cancer activity at all. <laughs> and the conventional medical model wanted her to cut off both breasts, Ugh. do chemo, to give her five years of life. She's less than 50 years old. Wow. She said, are you nuts? Yeah. And she walked out. And so we did all this work. We kept testing and testing and doing the emotional work. And guess what? The HER2 positive issue went away completely. What was it tied to? Her mother. Right. Oh, the, okay. The now, let, let, now, listen to this. Yeah. The second lady overseas was in full-blown panic. Right. We knew it by the tests we do. We knew that her kidney was completely out of sorts, which says it's fear. Her hands are ice cold. Her feet are ice cold, which is very often kidney, if not dehydration. In this case, it was, it was fear. Right. She didn't wait for the test results. She got the biopsy done. She started the, the chemo. She had her breast removed. We got her test results back. She had no cancer. Uh, she had no cancer uh, above any threshold that could be seen. Right. So now what, did, what was she told? Do the cancer. Do, you got to do it right away. You got to do it right away. So she's already fear-based because yeah. her kidney's out of balance, sure. which is where fear is harbored. So she goes ahead with this, and they're saying, well, do this because we have great success, because when we do this, it, people do very well. Well, she didn't have cancer in the first place. So if you don't have cancer in the first place and you get chemo and, and mastectomies for no cancer of any consequence, well, of course it's going to turn out well because you didn't have it in the first place. So <laughs> that's it's an, a problem. Well, listen, not only is it a problem, it is almost, like it, it, when you look at it from that perspective, Doc – it looks at the allopathic model of one how they, they they test through the PET scan and through X-ray and then how they treat through chemo, almost seems well not almost it's to me it seems very barbaric. It seems like we're we have caveman technology dealing with uh, you know 21st century uh, issues, and I, I don't understand how that is not being transferred. I mean, you have to go outside of the hospital system just to treat and accurately diagnose people and then treat them not only on a, on a, with a physiological uh, regimen as well as, but in a more of emotional, which is dealing with that person holistically because we know emotions affect our bodies. In fact, would you agree that almost all physical ailments, especially chronic ailments, are, you know, they may be uh, moved, moved along with, uh, I guess, toxins and environmental issues, but aren't they usually created from within emotional suppression and repression of, of our, our consciousness? And, and, and 100%. 100%. 100%. If you don't deal with the emotional side of it, you can't fix the, the physical. It's impossible. People think about toxins, and toxins are important. They think about dental, which are hugely important, which is never tested. Never, mercury. never, never tested. Mercury. Not just mercury. I'm talking about infections. Right. I'm talking about root canals. I'm talking about implants. They're horrible. If you have a woman that had her, her wisdom teeth pulled, you'd better be checking for the meridians that go to the breast. Because if that meridian from the tooth to the breast is blocked, you've got a weakness in the body. Cancer is very opportunistic. It goes where the weakness is. What's, mer if you go to what's, mer what's meridian? So I'm going to explain that real quick. A meridian is, a, is an electrical system that the Chinese discovered thousands of years ago. And we know that the meridians in the mouth go to every organ in the body. So for the wisdom teeth, go to the breast. The front teeth, for example, I just had a patient with this, uh, number seven and number nine. He broke his teeth, number seven and number nine. When he was six years old, he had rectal cancer. It was tied directly to those teeth. It would not resolve until we pulled the teeth. Wow. Below the, below the gum line, he had been to seven dentists. Below the gum line, the teeth were rotten. 
There was no foundation. It was blocking the meridians to his rectum. The tumor would not resolve until we removed the teeth. Remove the teeth, done. The tumor resolved. Okay, so you have to look at these. You have to look at these re relationships. Mercury is horrible. You've got to do something about the mercury. But the root canals and the and the implants are worse because on a on a on a very high scale because they're not taking account the holistic aspect of how a inter interacts with B, which affects C. And so this is a, a, the new integrative model. This is what you and thousands of other doctors around the world are coming to the conclusion who are actually um, not leaving the uh, the MD, AMA supported allopathic medical model, but are opening up their toolbox to include much more for that because there is a need, and I'm sure you agree, there's a need for acute care. There's a need for this allopathic medicine at certain aspects and times in people's lives, right? Absolutely. Okay. You know, we have uh, the uh, the doctor that taught me and actually the doctor that, that convinced me not to continue with my training way back in the 70s um, is, is an MD triple board certified in three specialties. Who's that? And he's taught us. Uh, Dr. William Lee Cowden, you, okay. you should interview oh, yes. him one day. I, oh, I did. I, did. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know exactly who he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a wonderful man. What yeah, a wonderful, kind man. He's a cardiologist. Because, yeah. Yeah, he's a cardiologist. Yeah, internal medicine, critical care. Yeah. And he's, a, he's an amazing guy. Yeah. And it's because of his deep faith in mine as well that when he spoke to me and he said, Michael, God did not make our bodies so poorly we need to do this stuff. And I said, <laughs> I, 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 I could hardly catch my breath because I'm, I'm, I'm on a track to go in a certain way of training. And he just tells me it's a waste of time. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, so, you know, talk about kind of ruining your day. But, but by the grace of God, you know, it's like I'm, I, we listened. And so we went a different route. Yeah. And then about, I think it was eight or nine years ago when he had a, he had a, uh, a study on um, emotional healing. And he's got this webpage called ACIMConnect.com. Right. And we, he did this emotional training program that changed our entire modus operandi. We knew at that moment I had to spend every waking moment understanding the relationship. And now we use this relationship of three different modalities, recall healing, emotional body work, and, and the Evox. We use that at, in one time with each patient every time. So when I see this emotion on the, on the screen, it says there's a fear. So where's the fear being held? Why is it being held? So I had a, I had a patient that had liver cancer, okay? Um, a relative had liver cancer, exactly same cancer in the exactly same spot. If you muscle tested this person and you said, uh, you, you asked to have the person say, I'm my father. Yes, she tested as her father. Okay, well, how does that work? Yeah. Because she was trying to save his life. He had exactly the same cancer. Hmm. Okay, his cancer went back to, to origin. What is, what is liver cancer? It's a fear of lack. Right. It was two successful doctors that had fear of lack. But guess what was exacerbated by? Anger. Right. Abject anger. Now, isn't it so, true, isn't it true, Doc, that what you just said is 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 remarkable? But isn't it true that it's a it's it's this it's a certain frequency? Everything's vibrational and frequencies and everything oh, that we yes. do. Isn't that anger and that familiar anger frequency the the same not same but very close same frequency that that child experiences as the father's experience? So that frequency is, is incorporated not only through wave formations, but affects the body biologically because it's affecting the DNA the same way it did the father. And that frequency until released, that kind of like an anger inside a bubble, until that frequency is released into or transformed into another frequency, say a more positive, higher frequency, uh, it's gonna, it is going to transfer that way. Is that how it works? 
that's exactly how it works. You know, growing up as a as a young man in the in the fifties, uh, my parents one parents was a Presbyterian, one was a Catholic, and so they were not exactly on the same page. But <laughs> but they had a belief that you know Jesus is God and all that, and and I'm still Christian doctor today. But it, there's something about spirituality versus religiosity. Yeah. Okay. If someone has a spiritual relationship with whoever is a spiritual relationship to them in a godly way, they have a 90 plus percent chance of survival. Mm. If they have a religious type nature where it's all actions and stuff on the wall, they have a very low chance of survival is what we've seen. There has to be something of a deep spiritual relationship in whatever that God is to these people, because that frequency that you just talked about is the transforming frequency. So you take a, you take a, a mother with breast cancer, had a lady with breast cancer. And the first thing I did in, in, uh, after I did her emotional work, I realized that there was a separation between her and the child today. Okay. So the mother's 50, the child is 30. There's a separation. Okay. So what's the first thing I did? I had to go back to that time when she was nursing that child. Mm. And she went back to that time when she was nursing that child and she reconnected at that moment in our in our in our emotional release work and the anger that was exhibit that was manifesting in this woman's body released it was it was profound wow you know that that, that is profound and uh, when we get back from our first break um i think you know the emotional aspect is critical to everything as you as you say and as you as you measure now with evox and it's actually you have brought it down to your you and your team of doctors have brought it down to a science now how we can measure our emotional aspect of what's going on and how to release that uh when we get back to from break doc let's let's get into a little bit of of the the role toxins play in addition to that because i think it's kind of that one-two punch you know toxins negative emotions and it really puts our body to the test at least our uh, lymphatic system or immune system right we'll be right back with dr michael rankin talking about healing ourselves from within emotionally and physically and now even spiritually we'll be right back get ready to rock and roll this is your invitation to the doctors who rock award show a black tie gala celebrating integrative medicine's rock star docs who have changed the scope of healing and wellness. We'll be honoring doctors who have left their mark, including Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, Dr. Hal Huggins, and Burton Goldberg. Notable recipients also include Dr. Joe Mercola, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, the Vax Team, and founder of the ACIM Get Your Life Back Now Conference, Dr. Lee Cowden. And that's not all. We've invited celebrity guests to rock with us. Featuring Pink's drummer, Mark Schulman, Michael Tyrell, creator of Whole Tones, and many more. Come join the party Friday, November 3rd at the Florida Hotel in Orlando in conjunction with the ACIM Conference and meet these superstar docs up close and personal. Tickets are on sale now at www.doctorswhorock.com. Proceeds will go to our scholarship fund to help med students achieve their dreams of helping people get their life back. What are you waiting for? Buy your tickets and party with Doctors Who Rock. All right, we are back with Dr. Michael Rankin. He's an internist in Dallas, Texas. Uh, you can reach him at testingcancer.com, testingcancer.com, and get tested 
the correct way and identify what's going on and 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 let go of this old this one stop shopping of analyzing it it's archaic now it's barbaric i think uh, in my opinion uh, that it's that it's they're just limited because insurance will only pay for it and pharmacy will tell them what to do uh that they're not looking at identifying the problem correctly and it's such a simple process and I you know if I didn't understand really what what's going on, and I'm not going to put the doctor to test on this unless he wants <laughs> to jump in. But I know, I know, big farm. Everybody's more interested in creating customers than than creating cures, and that's just unfortunately the sick, sick world we live in. Pun intended, with uh, dealing with um, you know money and how in money in the wrong hands or money in the wrong power broker hands, or at least access to that. Um, you know, corrupts and disconnects people from source, from God, from their spirituality piece of it. Because if they were connected, they sure would be making those type of decisions. All right, that's my rant, Doc. Welcome back. And uh, we were talking about um, uh, we we're talking about the, uh, the the emotional aspect of that. But I wanted to get a little bit into in this last part, half hour here, uh, before we even get to the toxins, because what I'm I'm kind of late to the party here. I just been kind of newly exposed this in the last few years, but uh, I'm realizing, and maybe you could you could speak to this, is the role of parasites are playing more so uh, in in our attacking of our immune system, and and you know when we napalm our body with antibiotics that it takes away our bad bad bacteria which allows even more bacteria or more uh, parasites and things come in but talk a little about the parasite aspect of our health well it's, it's very very important because you have to look at the body as an entire unit of health uh when we do a when we do a test we do a very specialized test not only for cancer and the body's ability uh to to resolve and heal and nurture itself but we look at the balance of all these things together we look at the microbes we look at the heavy metals we look at the risk of lyme because a lot of people have acted lyme they don't even know it but it hasn't manifested as that you look at the mycotoxin levels because every microbe has a mycotoxin that's deposited in its life and death cycle so so the, there are two things that happen with microbes number one they have a frequency of their own and it's not a good frequency. And you have beneficial microbes of all kinds that have a very beneficial uh, frequency. But when you have the life and death cycle out of balance, you're supposed to have 80% beneficial, 20% uh, non-beneficial. That ratio is supposed to remain the same throughout the person's life. When you start taking antibiotics, and that's why if you look at where antibiotics are used and GMO products are being consumed... Ugh. You combine those two things together and you're destroying the gut. When you destroy the gut with those two things combined, now you're allowing all the pathogens to come out of balance. So now you got the pathogens in the 80% category and the beneficials 20%. It can't work like that because the, the non-beneficials replicate at a much higher rate than the beneficials. That's why the ratio has is, is always been that way. If you look at the soil, when I quit medicine in particular back in the 19... Uh, uh, 80s, early 80s, I developed a bacteria for agriculture. And what I realized was that in the soil and in the human body, it's exactly the same. Hmm. When you put genetically modified food in a human body and you put genetically mo modified products into the soil, you cause the same havoc. And so the replication of the bacteria and microbes and, and viruses and all that, there are good and bad of both. In, in the body, they're good or bad at both in the soil. So now we've got, we've got plants that are being grown in very poor soils. 
You've got animals being fed that same poor product. You've got cows that are being fed genetically modified foods and, and bludgeoned with the antibiotics. The largest use of antibiotics in the world is animals. And then you eat the animals and then you get it. Yeah, so yeah. it's not just antibiotic in, uh, taken by the the doctor giving it to somebody. Look at you you know UTIs. One of the most over use of antibiotics is UTIs. It's a huge emotional construct. It's in and to give an antibiotic for UTI is is problematic at best because the imbalance of the UTI is because there's an imbalance of, of beneficial microbes. So and so and it starts again in the mouth. So you've got, you've got pathogens in the mouth, you've got pathogens in the gut, and where do they all end up? Okay, it's all downstream. So you have, to, you have to balance these things out. So when you have a child with ADD that's given a drug for ADD, for goodness sakes, where's the problem? It's in the gut. Yeah. You've got an imbalance of microbes in the gut that is overstimulating the brain, and then to give a drug to suppress that brain, so guess what happens? The brain will neuropathically change in the wrong direction because it's fighting two things. It's fighting the drug and it's fighting the toxins. So now you've got kids that are put into a semi-comatose state. My son goes to a school where there are lots of children like this. And these children are, are embarrassed that they're taking them, number one, and they can't think. Mm. And this is only starting now. Right. Now, we know that the brain changes over the entire lifetime of the person. So... Just like when I went to a nursing home the other day to not for that purpose, I don't really go to nursing homes per se for any kind of medical reason, but I went because the lady I was, I was dealing with wanted me to go there and I wanted to go there too, actually to pray with her mom and to kind of get a hands-on assessment of her mother. Her mother hadn't spoken in six or seven years, hadn't shed a tear, hadn't responded. I mean, we did some very nominal things with her mom. After I left, she called me in tears. She said, I don't know what you did, but my mother raised her arms up and gave me a hug. She hasn't lifted her arm in six years. Okay? Her mother shed a tear when they started talking. Her mother said a word, and she hadn't been talking. And I only spent about 15 minutes with her mom because I, I don't treat people in settings like that. Right. And, uh, but I, you know, it's hard not to go over and lay hands on her and pray and do something else while you're doing it. But, right. well, we, but we, I mean, we, so, we, so we, we left and here you are. Here's a lady who's <laughs> full-blown Alzheimer's and, and stroke. Right. Yeah. I don't think so. Right. Um, so, and that just goes to show, we call it the power of intentions, but of course it's the power of prayer, yes. the power of prayer, the power. It's when, you know, yes. electromagnetically, when two more people come together, uh, there is a exponential effect. I mean, this could, could, could be measurable too. And this is not just you know, just a, a religious thing. This is a science behind it as well of how... Very strong science. And because and yep. th thoughts are yes. thoughts have physical properties and, and, you know, and people out there, I don't know, they're a physical phenomenon. And, and when you, you tune that united intention onto whatever it may be, when more people are doing that, we've seen, there's examples in and even, even experiments done where that occurs. So I get that aspect of it. And what you're referring to with the parasites and the GMO food and the, um, uh, you know, the, the metals, the metals that are coming down from the sky and, and all these different toxins that are coming in and it's creating this perfect storm when you start using a lot of this allopathic medicine from chemotherapy, radiation, um, antibiotics. It's creating this perfect storm of 
creating a, a cancerous environment or a uh, it, it's not I, I don't even know how to explain it other than maybe you can add, add light to this is I believe our immune system is under attack because of this our lymphatic system gets very little play and little little attention because that is really our our ace in the hole is our immune system our lymphatic system it's not absolutely it, and so why is this being compromised by these toxins parasites and an allopathic medicine well, if you look at it from the from the top down, uh, we always go at it from the emotional standpoint first, because if we can't get the, the emotions turned around and do the proper neural feedback, no one's going to focus anyway. They're in fight or flight. They don't hear a yeah, word you say. Right. Second thing we do is assess toxin levels. Third thing we do is assess microbe levels. Fourth thing is just look at basic nutrition and hydration. 100% of anyone who's ever come for any health challenge, they're dehydrated, they're low on magnesium and zinc and all the basic minerals. So if you're low on all of these things, number one, the lymphatic system, 99% of anyone who's ever come through our door has an issue with lymphatics. Simple things to be done. We have a to-do list that we send out to anybody who ever writes to us that gives them a a, about a five-page summary of things they can check off in their homes to reduce their exposures to things by 99%, and we'll send it to anybody that, that writes to us. We send them out a juicing list. If you have fungal levels, fungal issues, which is one of the, the silent screams in everybody's body is fungus. Right. Okay, you look at anybody's tongue, if it's white, it's fungus. Mold, yeah. You look on the sides of anybody's tongue, and it, and it looks like scalloped. That's lymphatic. If the lymphatics aren't moving, where do the toxins go? Why do we ask women to do dry brushing to move the toxins along? But if you're dehydrated and you're low on magnesium and low on molybdenum and zinc, you're not going to move those toxins out of the lymphatic system. You know, we, in our, in our to-do list, we have a chi machine. We have, we have minerals. We have a specific hydration, turn off the Wi-Fi at night, etc. Every one of these things is distracting the body from its primary purpose. So if your body is at night, is supposed to clean itself between approximately 10 p.m. And, and 4 a.m., and it's bludgeoned with Wi-Fi, and it's dehydrated, and you got your cell phone beside your bed, guess what? The microbes hear this message, okay, there's EMF in the room. We need to duplicate ourselves at a multiple rate because we got, we're at risk from EMF. So you got your phone beside your bed stimulating the microbes in your gut and your brain. TV on. Microtoxin, Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And so now you've got mycotoxins uh, developing at a much higher rate. The people are not getting into a clean state. Their alpha is out of phase, so their body doesn't clean. So why do we have an epidemic of Alzheimer's? Because people don't sleep and they're eating genetically modified foods. And, and to add, add, add more to that, then they start taking these uh, pharmaceutical drugs to help them sleep, which only adds more oh side effects and then just amplifies the whole issue to begin with. This is insane. Exactly. Doctor, this is insane. This is insanity. I it mean, is, I, I, I can't. I can't understand how how people aren't rushing to this because because you show results, you show healing, you show through the that that this simple process of bringing um, integrative medicine and a naturopathic method, medicine to chronic illnesses. It's like what's insane to me is we're using acute solutions for chronic illnesses, and it doesn't work long run. It doesn't. And yeah, it, uh, yeah chronic illnesses needs more time to deal with a, an issue that took a long time to create. So I just don't understand how we can't be, this, this, this is not, 
This is so illogical. I really am uh, beside myself understanding because I'm kind of new to this. And once I think you come out of that mind, that mind control mindset, especially doctors, especially doctors who are just been mind controlled to believe in allopathic and you can't do anything naturopathic or holistic because they were not trained. It's not in that model. I mean, how do do I mean, if the doctors can't come out of it, how can the patients come out of it? <laughs> I mean, well, what? you know, but here's but it's a two way street. Okay? okay, if someone says to me, my doctor said. To me, it's no different than someone saying my pastor said. If, if being a Christian person, if someone says my pastor said, I said, what did Jesus say about that? If someone said my doctor said, I said, what do you say about that? Well, my doctors, no, I didn't ask you that. I said, what do you think? Right. What research did you do? So when come, someone comes to us, if you look at the little brief bio, uh, biography that I put together, the, that someone asked me to put together for this conference coming up in Florida, the ACIM conference that you were talking about earlier, yeah. okay? We help people to see what they need to see to do what they need to do. You know, no doctor is anybody's rescuer. Right. Right? We're nobody's God. Yeah. Okay? And we're not their savior. We're right. here to profoundly redirect them to their self to learn what they need to do. When you come to our clinic or you call me from England or France or New York, the first thing you got to do is you have to sign an agreement with us that you're going to fully participate and take 100% responsibility for the care of your own body. If you're not willing to do that, we won't take you as somebody to work with. Because you can, because only, you can only heal yourself. That's just the bottom line. Can, no one else can heal you. Right. You know, Your body exactly. can only heal itself. I mean, physiologically, your body can only heal itself. You could give them exactly. stuff to help them with symptom control, but the body heals it. I mean, there's no one exactly. really can. Look, you, you, you use a, a wonderful word. I love this intention idea. Yeah. The intention has to start in the home. It has to start with the parents at the dinner table with clean food and no electronics talking to one another. <laughs> People don't even intention their food. Yeah. Okay. This, this young lady there right now that I'm, that I'm doing a, um, a scan on overseas, she doesn't remember what she ate this morning. Okay, she doesn't remember what she ate. She doesn't remember how it smells. She doesn't remember what it looked like. Right. Okay, if you can't remember what you ate and you don't remember what the smell was and you can't remember the dialogue you just had, how how's your body going to know what was even going on in the first place? You're going to watch a violent movie while you're eating your food. <laughs> okay, it doesn't work. You go to a movie theater where they serve all kinds of junk. People eat four times the amount of junk in a movie theater, and they, they did a survey where they, where they surveyed the people and how much they ate at the movie theater while they're watching a movie. It's four times what they would normally eat because there's no intention for the diet. There's only the being bludgeoned by the images on the screen. Well, you know, we know for a fact through different studies and experiments with how water, and we're mostly made of water, and how water is easily manipulated through thought, um, you know, yes. frozen crystals. And, and so what you're saying is, and this is where I think, you know, the toxin, the chronic illnesses are, are a cumulative buildup of toxins, uh, emotional, emotional suppression, and parasitic issues, whatever else may go, be going on. It's a cumulative. It's a slow process. But when you sit and pray, like you said, or you give positive intentions to the food and appreciation and you're present in the moment when you're eating that food and you're not watching TV and you're not dealing with your phone and you're having a joyful, emotional, uplifting conversation with your family and children at that table, that's an, also an accumulative effect for the treatment, for the prognosis of dealing with these chronic accumulative effects that are, we're being bombarded with, is it not? Exactly, exactly. You know, that is such a good point because the feedback we give to someone with the health challenge, if it's not uplifting, get out of the room. Right. 
Okay, we we have a uh, we had a person whose whose family always say, "What did the doctor say?" She said, "Stop asking me the question." Okay, stop asking that question. Don't <laughs> ask the question. Are you going to the doctor today? No, I'm not. Quit asking me the question. Okay, I don't need the question. What I need for you to say is, "What can I cook you? What kind of juice can I make for you? What did you eat? How did it taste?" Right. You're looking so good. I'm amazed. You you it's an, you look wonderful. Okay, so when someone has a health challenge, we need to be respectful of the fact that they need peace, love, and joy. The first thing that a person can do, and the, one of the first things that I ask a patient to do, if they have an intense anger, which is very often the case with cancer, 99% of the time there's an intense anger or grudge towards some person. Yeah. I encourage them by whatever verbiage they want to use, God, Jesus, show me, universe, show me how to love that person unconditionally. If you, They say, well, how long do I say it? Until you believe it. Right. And as soon as you do that, that person who you don't even talk to will change because the intention of your frequency that you're connected to that person, if you ever spoke to them, is coming out by that prayer. Absolutely. And it goes across all boundaries. And and that's the power of intentions. Uh, You know, when we get back from this next break, Doc, let's talk about your formula uh, of and the multifaceted formula and, and the percentage that perhaps nutrition what we're actually bringing into our bodies deals with these symptoms before they get to the acute matter and how important that role is too okay we'll be okay. right we'll be right back with dr michael rankin internist in dallas texas changing the world one patient at a time bringing them into the integrative model and here we go we'll be right back you are listening to the good intention show sponsored by the united intentions foundation and unitedintentions.org a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions one intention at a time. And boom, we are back with Dr. Michael Rankin. Doc, this is such an exciting and inspirational call and and information you're sharing. And I just want to thank all our listeners on 99.1. Uh, you guys are great, and we're glad you're on board now too on FM radio. Um, So, uh, Docs, okay, we talked about this. Let's talk a little bit about nutrition, and we got like eight, nine minutes left. So let's talk about some of the solutions that are the, the, the non-allopathic solution dealing with these chronic illnesses that we already identified the issues, the toxins, the parasites, the emotional. What are what are your success that you have seen overall? Like I don't, I don't know if you put it packaging in a, in, in a one shop here just for our argument's sake. I know each person needs, needs to be dealt with differently and individually. But if you had to say you know, this is kind of the ideal formula, what would it look like? Well, number one, um, it's important to realize that in, in over 43 years of, of following people with health challenges from heart disease to cancer, et cetera, I, I don't know in my own personal experience that I've actually ever seen anybody pass on from cancer. I know it happens. I hear about it happening. I've asked people to send me their, their reports from that person so we can evaluate it, but I've actually never seen anyone pass on or die, so to speak, from cancer. I've seen them die, succumb to something else. Wow. And if you look at what they succumb to, 99.9% of the time, it's first of all starvation and second of all drugs. Mm. So what is in every person's home that has someone coming to take care of them on a professional level? Okay, and this is not to disparage hospice. They do what they're being told to do. But what is the number one thing that goes into the home when a person comes home that is given, we got to keep them comfortable? What does keeping them comfortable mean? It means put them on a drug. So unfortunately, the drug that they're put on 
is a drug that will suppress the heart, the liver, and digestion. So if so when you look at what really happens to someone with a health challenge of, of any kind of severe nature, it's malnourishment. It's starvation. It's not the cancer that, that's, that they succumb to. It was starvation. Okay, and this is not just cachexia. People talk about cachexia. That's only about, I think, 11%. It's actually, many times, is anorexia. They lose their will to survive and eat. So if you measure the zinc, just one simple thing, and any person that has a health challenge, and they stop eating, and they start, they look like they're losing their appetite, you'll find, you look at an anorexia patient, this is well known, they are low in zinc. So nutrition is monumentally important. And I don't mean sitting down and eating a meal. If someone has a cancer conflict and they've got a challenge, whether they've had chemo, radiation, or whatever else they've done, if you give them food to digest, they can't digest it. You have to give it in a form that's already in an enzyme form like juicing, proper enzyme form, proper combinations. And that's one of the things that we specialize in is how to feed the person without feeding the fungus. If you look at cancer, cancer will not survive in a glucose in the body. If you measure it in the morning, you keep the glucose between 80 and 85 on an average basis. You'll find that the cancer will lose its energy because it can't convert. If you raise the ketones in the body, we actually use a product that raises ketones in the body. Cancer can't use ketones for survival. So it's a balance, it's a balance, it's a balance. So you balance it with nutrition, you balance the emotions behind it, and you get everybody in the room to be positive. And for sure, you get that person who is angry to give up their anger. Yeah. You ever know anybody with with sciatica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, grudge. Really? Grudge 101. It's harbored anger and grudge towards somebody. Wow. That's sciatica 101. Wow. It's one of the simplest things to resolve. And oh, look was... at knee, knee replacements and hip replacements. Yeah. Why? Poor nutrition. Right. It's epidemic. Yeah. You go outside the United States, you go to China, you don't see knee and hip replacements except no. unless someone's had an injury or they're eating American food. Well, you don't see obese people either. Uh, and, no, and, no, no, no. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you sure and don't. 40%, 40% of the people here are obese and, and uh, 80% of the people here in the United States are overweight. 80%. Exactly. And so, but, you know, if <laughs> those people nuts. would not be overweight, they would not be obese if someone instructed them on how to manage it. But you have to understand, a lot of times when there's excessive weight, it's the body is trying to protect itself, sometimes from attack, like abuse, yeah. and sometimes because there is a separation between that person and somebody else that's important to them, and they'll put on weight to kind of – it's almost like spreading of the body. It's a weird well, phenomenon. It, sound, but, it sounds but like – it sounds like, Doc, there's good news and bad news here, and, and uh, I'll go with the good news first. Good news is cancer could be cured. Good news is oh, MS could be cured. ALS can be cured. All these chronic illnesses can be cured. The, I don't want to say the bad news, but the unfortunate news, it's going to take a serious day-to-day commitment on your being conscientious of the water, the food, the air, what you're breathing, and the treatment process to be very clear on that. And I'll tell you what. The other added, added unfortunate aspect about it, and maybe you could speak to this last few minutes we have, is that you know we're in an, we're caught into an environmental system here that feeds the cancerous lifestyle from the food stores to the commercials to the allopathic drugs being pushed, the heroin, the negative thinking from the news media. I mean, it seems a little overwhelming at times of this environmental factors that we got to deal with. And, and to me, I can see how people get a little discouraged. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, that's right. I think that's a very valid point, but you've got to put something in perspective. For yeah. years and years and years, because I've a, I, at one point I had an almost 99% long-distance practice, which was wonderful because I had a very <laughs> small child at the time. Right. So I was living in China for part of that time, a very toxic environment. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, everybody smokes cigarettes, yeah. I've never been sick. <laughs> okay. I've had a runny nose, but I think it was from an allergy stress response to food. Right. I don't know that I've ever had the flu. I've broken bones and had all kinds of other things like that happen, but I've never really been sick in the way that people think of being sick. Okay? And I lived in China. I was exposed to parasites and all kinds of things. The water is atrocious, but I didn't get sick. My son's mother doesn't get sick. He doesn't get sick. So we were in a toxic environment, but we're not sick. And why? Yeah. Because we eat well every day. We keep our intentions and our prayer life very positive every day. We don't harbor anger for more than a, a few hours. Right. None of us. Right. None of us. Right. Okay? And we work on our nutrition and our thoughts and everything every day. Everybody in my family has the option, of course, to be scanned and to be, to be monitored and so on. And most of them do. Yeah. And those that do remain healthy. Okay? Yeah. So every, if, if I would just encourage people to never use this word again, my doctor said. Yeah. Don't say those words, yeah. okay? You know, Listen to what he said, research it. Listen to what he said, research it. I don't want people quoting me either. Yeah. I want them to go out and do what they need to do, learn what they need to learn, and study and study and study. Yeah. If they get our to-do list and they can check off the entire to-do list, they'll reduce their exposure enormously to yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, Doc, you're talking phenomenal stuff here, and um, and we, of course, we're running out of time now, and we got to close it out. But however, uh, people want to reach you, they go to t they go to testingcancer.com. Dr. Michael Rankin, and uh, he's an internist in Dallas, changing the world. Uh, you'll see him at the gala and at the Get Your Life Back uh, convention and the ACM Connect uh, from November second to the fourth. So make sure you get your tickets. Go online to doctorswhorock.com, and you could have a chance to talk with him, and, and he could share even more of his brilliance with you. So, uh, Doc, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's great, great. We could talk about this forever, and um, perhaps you'll come back and we can. If, if you can, hang on a second once we close out the show just for a minute. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions about the gala. And um, outside of that, uh, listen, guys, hope you enjoyed the show. This is brilliant information. It's one-of-a-kind information. You're not going to get it anywhere else. Uh, it's, it's, it's starting to change the world into greater medicine. And just, be, just know that it's coming. It's here. And you got people who really care. All right? Thank you guys for listening and watching. We will talk to you guys uh, in a couple hours. we got another doctor coming on. Oh, yeah. All right. Take care. You have been listening to The Good Intention Show on the UI Radio Network. The Good Intention Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Be sure to log on to unitedintentions.org a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions, one intention at a time. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, live life with intent. The United Intentions Foundation and its associates take no responsibility for the opinions and statements made by the talk show hosts or their guests. You've been listening to another fabulous program on Angel Heart Radio. Our goal is to remind you of how much you matter in the world and to let you know that we appreciate who you are in the world. 
You can check out who's on, when we're on and who our guests are at angelheartradio.com. Everything is there. It's all just one click away. Angel Heart Radio programs are powerful tools to help you in your life and your life experience. They are not intended, nor should they, be used to replace your medical or legal advice. The views and opinions expressed by Angel Heart Radio hosts, guests, co-hosts and associates should not be construed as advice from Angel Heart Radio.